0: pray. God, we know that you're here with us in each place that we've gathered. And so, God, we pray that you would open us up, open our ears and our eyes, our hearts and our minds, so that we might hear a word from you. And God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all of our hearts will be acceptable and pleasing to you, God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm not trying to brag, but I've been eating a lot lately. The Thanksgiving Day feast in our house turned into the Thanksgiving week feast. Monday was Italian, Tuesday was steaks on the grill, Wednesday was Indian food, Thursday was turkey stuffing and all the rest, of course, and and yesterday we began to lean in to the leftovers. The only thing I've done more often this week than eat is think about putting up the Christmas lights. It's one of my favorite things to do each year, maybe more so than ever this year. We'll do it this afternoon. It's an unofficial tradition for us to put up the lights and decorate for Christmas uh, after church on the first Sunday of Advent. I love Christmas lights, and I suspect that many of you do what we do each year. Grab some hot chocolate, go for a walk or a drive through some neighborhood somewhere to look at Christmas lights. And especially in this season of our lives with two little kids at home, there is something magical about Christmas lights. When we pass by a house that's all lit up, our kids light up too. Look at that, they say. Look at that! I wonder, what is it? What is it about those little glowing bulbs all strung together that stirs us in such a way? For me, I love Christmas lights for a very simple reason. They make me happy, maybe even hopeful. And that's what the season of Advent is, not necessarily a happy time, but always a hopeful one. Because during Advent, we're waiting, we're preparing, not because we believe that Jesus might come, but because we know that he will We've been through a lot this year, all of us. And so this year, more than ever, we need some Advent hope. We need some Christmas lights strung on houses to remind us of what we know to be true. You see, what happens in any particular year doesn't change the truth of the gospel. Jesus is the light of the world, a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So this Advent at Bel-Air, we're talking about Christmas lights, it's a series about Jesus, about light, about hope, and we're going to focus on how, how we can, whether it's for the first time or the 50th time, welcome Jesus into our lives. And welcome him into our lives in such a way that his light transforms us and shines through us out into the world. Each week, we'll focus on one particular way that that can happen. And it's going to flow like this. It's going to start today with know the light. And then see the light and then love the light and then be the light. Know the light, see the light, love the light, be the light. Today we start with know the light. And the scripture that will guide us is from the gospel according to Matthew. It's a story that we call the transfiguration. And in it, disciples who have known Jesus for years suddenly suddenly know him in a brand new way. The story's from Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. Here it is. Listen for the word of God. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Thanks be to God. There are some really key details in this story that we must attend to if we're going to understand what Matthew is trying to communicate. So Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain. Peter, James, and John, these are three of the four first disciples that Jesus calls. They are the ones who set the precedent, who left everything to follow him. They're the ones that paved the way for all the disciples who would come after. And Jesus leads them up a mountain. This is important because in the Bible, when holy people go up a mountain, it means that God is about to reveal something. That's what happens here. And the revelation is in the form of a transfiguration. Metamorphosis is the Greek word. It's a a change that happens. It's a complete transformation of the Jesus they knew And what happens is that he begins to shine. His face shines like the sun. His clothes become an otherworldly, dazzling white. And then Moses and Elijah appear, two other holy men from Israel's past, heroes of the faith, people who had gone up mountains themselves to receive divine revelation. And then God's own voice from heaven says, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And for some reason, this scares the disciples. They fall down, overcome by fear, but Jesus comes to them, touches them, says, Get up, do not be afraid. In all these things, Matthew was trying to communicate one thing about Jesus. Jesus. Namely, that he is not just another exceptional human being, not just a powerful prophet, not just a great teacher and example for all, but he is the decisive representation of God. He is the source and the judge of life. Jesus is God himself. So it's no wonder that these untutored, down-to-earth men and women had left everything and followed him. It turns out it wasn't just because he had charisma. No, something radiated from deep within him that spoke of ineffable and eternal truth. Now, this transfiguration story is not one that we typically read during Advent, we usually read it the Sunday before Lent begins, immediately before Jesus begins his journey to the cross. Because part of what this story does is prepare Jesus, his followers, for his inevitable, inevitable suffering. The disciples in this story seem to sense that because they want to stay on the mountain. They want to build a tent, a shelter, and they want to stay in that place in a safe sanctuary away from the world, and be content in the moment, perhaps saving Jesus and themselves from the heartache to come. But what this story offers us is the paradox that while there's nothing we can do to save ourselves from suffering, there is also nothing we can do to shield ourselves from the light That God shines in the darkest moments. The moment of transfiguration is that point at which God says to the world and to each one of us that there is nothing we can do to escape the light that God will shed on our path. We cannot escape Emmanuel, God with us. God will find us in our homes And in our workplaces, God will find us when our hearts are broken and when we shout with joy. God will find us when we run from God and when we are sitting in the middle of what seems like hell. That is Advent. And we need it more this year than ever before. A reminder that no matter what the current state of affairs, nothing can prevent nor escape the light that God shines into the world. And it's not a light for which we need to search. It's Jesus, the light who comes into the world, who comes to us. In our story, it's this beautiful scene. The disciples are afraid and prostrate on the ground, and Jesus comes to them, reaches out his hand, touches them, reassures them, get up, do not be afraid. Does anything banish our fears more perfectly than a simple human touch? To know that one who loves us is reaching out and saying, I'm here with you. For John Calvin, the great theologian, this was the genius of God. God who made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. God whose greatness is so vast, not even the heavens above the heavens can contain it. God whose we are is so magnificent, so wonderful, that God is willing to come among us and reach out and touch us and calm our fears himself. For the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is God with us. You might remember the angel's promise at the very beginning of the story. They shall name him Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus' hands on the disciples' shoulders is nothing less than God's own touch. This is the way that God comes into our world and and into each of our lives, not simply in a brilliant cloud of mystery, not only as a voice thundering from heaven, but also in a human hand, laid upon a shoulder, and the words, don't be afraid. God comes to us quietly, gently, so that we may hear and not be afraid. God's glory and magnificence and power and majesty are unsurpassable, yes, but God's glory and magnificence and power and majesty are surpassed by God's willingness to shed them all in order that we might finally recognize God's love and gentleness, The measureless power that made the heavens and the earth concentrates in a hand reaching out to us, Jesus, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And what happens next is where we'll end. It's verse 8. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Our purpose this morning is to know the light. Jesus, who is not simply a good man who taught well and did nice things, but who is actually, truly the Son of God, the only one who can save us. And so our goal is to do what the disciples did on that mountain, to look up and to see no one but Jesus himself alone. There are a million things. Every day, but especially in this season, there are a million things that might garner our attention and take up our time. But as we put up our Christmas lights, as we drive around and look at those that others have hung, my prayer is that there will be only one thing we see. Jesus, the light of the world. And so this morning I invite you whether it's the first time or the 50th time, to welcome Jesus into your life. And I know, I know that for some of us postmodern, educated, upwardly mobile Westerners, it can feel strange or silly or, or simply naive to rely on anyone but ourselves. But I promise you, all you need to do is pray or say, or think, or want. Jesus, be with me. Be near me. Come to me. And this Advent, if you open your heart and if you open your mind to the possibility that God is alive in our midst, you will come face to face with Jesus. He will reach out to you, lay his hand on your shoulder and say, get up. Do not be afraid, and you'll see that he is the light of the world. Let's pray. God, I pray one simple thing, that each person worshiping here this morning will know your son Jesus, will know that he came not to condemn but to save the world, that he came to be with us, not against us, and that he comes this Advent once again to shine light into the darkness. A light we can neither shield nor avoid. A light that you shine to us so that we might love and glorify you. Lord, there's no denying you. So help each one of us put our trust in you this day and every day. Amen. Friends, what a joy it's been to worship God together this morning. I'm so glad to have been with you today, and I look forward to worshiping with you again next week. The best way to stay connected to God, to others, and to service here at Bel Air UMC is to go to belairumc.org slash stay connected connected. There you'll find all the resources for the week, and you'll be able to sign up for our Advent Bible study. It starts this Tuesday, so sign up today. It's at 7 p.m. We'll meet via Zoom uh, for the first three Tuesdays in December. And you'll also want to stay tuned for information on ways that you can support CCSC's Jingle Bell Express and our Adopt a Child program for Christmas here at Bel Air UMC. All that information is going to be at belairumc.org slash stayconnected Once again, thanks for being here. If you haven't done it yet, fill out your digital connect card so that we know how we can be praying for you and how we can welcome you to the family here at Air United Methodist Church.